It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. Oh, feels good to be back as usual. I'm your host at NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers. And it was an extended leave again. Car- got carried away with myself at Christmas time. Overindulged as per usual. And, and I will say, and I was debating whether, whether or not to admit this on the podcast, but that last game that we played was absolutely abominable that's not the hard part to admit but i will admit that halfway through and i've never done this with a packers game and i've set up you can see what's coming and i stay up late for the games and watch the games and tweet out from the group account about the games and analyze them on the podcast but i'm not even going to bother i I think what we might do it's going to be a long off season obviously because we're not in the playoffs this year again uh so what i was going to do was is maybe do a season breakdown but they always nauseate me i must admit is, you know, when the kind of season's over and you're kind of trying to look ahead and then someone's like, so let's talk about week two. <laughs> it's just like, no, let's let's not talk about week two. But I, just out of interest sake, I wouldn't mind going back into it because um, some of the reason for the extended breakaway was, I guess, after that last game, just the disappointment like, and just the, you know, the lack of effort that the team put into that last performance. I see... Um, Peter King came out against Antonio Brown and said about him, oh, how can someone just sort of, you know, pardon my French, but just piss 6% of the season away by just not playing in a game. Um, and I want to talk about Antonio Brown. He becomes the clown of the week and maybe the clown of the offseason. Who knows? Um, but I'll discuss him a little bit later because there's articles out there that says that the Packers should go after him, right? Ooh. But um, yeah, I, I guess I was so... And, and some of the old heads out there, you know, some of the old reliables were saying that they've never witnessed before a team kind of give up the way the Packers have. And I have seen criticism of Brian Gudekunst, who people, for some reason, skirt over his name. It's not rude or dirty, okay? Gudekunst is a, is a lovely German name. Certainly Germanic in origin. So, you know, they're, they're blaming him for this culture. I think actually what we see from the firings and the letting goes and all of this, Ty Montgomery went out the door, um, Haha Clinton Dix was gone, and some other sort of ructions that we've seen, you know, Mike McCarthy leaving. I think that one of the main concerns for the Packers is the attitude in this team, and certainly Gudekunst has probably taken on the mantle to come in and do a, do a Ron Wolf on it. But anyway, I've kind of delved into Packers very quickly. Let me get the housekeeping out of the way. We're not in the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, no chance of it. And we're not in the playoffs. Now, I can say we're not in the Super Bowl because there's no chance of us having... Who knows who is? Uh, so we're all enjoying the playoff games. I'm on the radio, by the way. Um, Irish radio. Sunshine, one of 6.8. Every Saturday and have done for the last number of years. I'm doing a bit of NFL punditry. So if anybody wants to hear some overall NFL lark from myself in an Irish accent, you can download the app and get on there and listen to me. Let me know what you think. But anyway... Um, so that's one thing. So we're having our Super Bowl party as usual. So it's Flag in Regent's Park. Um, and that's against the Kansas City Chiefs lads. And the Jets lads are joining this year, which should be interesting. It's free. Um, you don't have to pay for it um, as of yet. Uh, there was talk about getting facilities and stuff for people to change. But I'm all right pulling on me togs at the side of the field. Um, I, I think that's how we'll, we'll keep it. Um, and then we're going to party it up with the Gridiron 
guys from Gridiron Magazine. Uh, you know, we do work from them for them from time to time, um, and we're good friends with them and all the rest. So we're jumping into their party again this year. Last year, as as you might know, have heard or attended, we went up to Birmingham and it was a good old show. But it's not a lot of prep that goes into it, and we said that we kind of take a year off and maybe retool for the for the upcoming season. So if you want to come along to the Super Bowl shenanigans. Uh, we'll be tweeting at the times to meet in Regent's Park in London but just know Super Bowl weekend that's Super Bowl Sunday I always fly over Sunday morning from Ireland so I know that we have people who are upset that it's in London sometimes uh, and that's why we went up north and that's why we're thinking about doing alternative things for next season but uh, I, I understand the angst but then again I fly over from Ireland every year uh, to London so look I get it I get the angst about the the traveling and all the rest it just it is very central to everybody who's going to kind of meet at that place and have the best venues and all the rest and that's where the gridiron party is which is where we're going if you want a ticket get onto the gridiron gridiron um magazine website and do it through there and we're sort of tweeting out links sporadically and putting it on our facebook as well so get on to at uk packers on facebook and twitter um 1919 shop signed march is looking fairly grim uh we've pretty much sold out of everything now so we're going to be getting or orders in if you want something uh, with somebody's name scribbled across it with uh, COAs and all the rest let us know now because we're going to be placing the order soon and if you jump in with the item that you want be it a Blake Martinez signed jersey or Aaron Jones signed stuff um, you know Jair Alexander Randall Cobb you know we saw that sort of heartbreaking picture of Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb embracing and he had tears in his eyes and you could see Aaron Rodgers eyebrows and the eyebrows looked sad so if you want to have signed March from him Give us a shout and we'll place, put it in the order that we're getting over and ship it out to you when it gets here. All of our prices uh, are without taxes and all the rest. Um, and our weekly pick'em league is heating up. So Tom Coles is at the top, 2,200 points. Uh, Jono, second place, 2,180 points, just shy. And then uh, Mr. Metcalf then is at third place. And, you know, people are following close behind. So good luck to the boys. There's only a couple of weeks left. The winner gets their pick of uh, any of our signed jerseys in the store. Um, second prize, we're going to send you out stuff at the same as the third prize because, lads, losers can't be choosers. All right. If you want to win it, make sure you get first prize. You can get, you can take your pick. There's a KGB um, jersey in there, Paul Horn and Lynn Dickey. Uh, some good stuff. And get on to that. And as well as that, NFL Europe shop, link on our site. Uh, there's an offers page, ukpackers.co.uk forward slash offers. Um, and then you can get on there and, and do your stuff. Um, so yeah, it was a great Christmas for me, uh, spending time with the kids, spent a lot of time reading actually. And there's one bit of advice that I want to give you because I've been captivated by this guy and it's not Packer related. So uh, give me 15 seconds. If you want a book to read, if you want a book club, um, let's do it. Let's kick it off because I did that um, Johnny McNally book, uh, Ralph Hickok, great book, uh, definitely guarantee uh, a great read on that one, go out and get it bit of Packers history there's the Packers heritage book which is brilliant but the real man you want to be reading has nothing to do with Packers whatsoever PG Woodhouse dear Jesus uh, you've all heard of Jeeves Worcester and Jeeves no Jeeves the sort of butler guy absolutely sir read him if you haven't read him this is the one gift that I'm giving you for Christmas is go out um, go to the book depository or Amazon or whatever you get your books because they don't have it in bookshops because it's an old timey book search PG Woodhouse W-O-D-E instead of W-O-O-D um, and get anything to do with Worcester and Jeeves get the omnibus in fact it's about 16 quid euro which is about 12 quid pounds you will not regret it and you will thank me for the rest of your life but this podcast as you can see from the name I kind of wanted to get on and air some stuff out about Josh McDaniels because there's an awful lot of stuff going around and as usual um, I have 
a very strong opinion about these things. And I want to discuss some of the sort of moot points and some of the BS um, talking points that I feel that, that people have, right? So let me just... Um, I'm not going to go into this guy's history, by the way, right? I, I did, because I've got some great shows lined up. I've got some great guests lined up. Um, some of our usual journalist dudes um, who are top-notch. The likes of Rob Domofsky is going to come on. Um, Mike Spoffer is going to come on. They're going to come on at, at the right time. Let's say Rob is probably going to be on with me next week. And we're either going to be talking about how he believes the interviews are going, what he's kind of hearing behind the scenes, or we're going to talk about the new head coach. Mike Spofford is not going to be on until the new head coach comes in. Also, there's some players lined up as well, but all of the players that are going to come on um, kind of wanted a break. They didn't want me nattering at them about how crap the season was or whatever. So we're going to get them on, give them a little bit of break. They'll go off and uh, get some or and or. So... Let's talk Josh McDaniels. I'm not going to go into, you know, what he has for breakfast and all of this type of lark. And I do, I am working on content behind the scenes all the time for kind of evergreen shows, stuff that sort of doesn't go out of days. You know, I'm going to do podcasts about some history stuff um, and just some interesting stuff. And there's going to be new segments. I just kind of wanted to get on this week just to kickstart the new year, um, you know. And then going forward, there's going to be cool little segments and guest hosts and all the rest. So it's going to be good stuff. And I am working on stuff about Josh McDaniels and his play calling and stuff that goes on behind the scenes there. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deep dive in that. I just wanna hit the why this guy is a pariah for some people, why they don't like him, and why people really do like him, and I'm gonna try to sift through it all. Now, I'm going to first lay out the facts and what I've done through research, and then you could make up your mind and tell me what you think of this guy afterwards. So if you're in the car, on the train, um just hit up at NFL or at UK Packers, because um, I'm always happy to talk and debate um, with people. And just let me know how you feel, because the jury's kind of out about it, because I can see why people want him, but I'm going to give you the absolute red flags. Um, <laughs> one of the biggest ones, um, biggest red flags, and I'm going to quote this guy, um, was the punter Mitch Berger. Now, he's the punter, right? So how entrenched he is in the team I don't know because we do know from different units defense don't necessarily hang out with offense and they're kind of against each other they create that rivalry sometimes and then the kicking team and special units team are kind of off to the side um, to a degree depending now we know that Mason Crosby and Aaron Rodgers have a great relationship and all that kind of stuff and punters are people too blah 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 but this guy uh, Mitch Berger said of Josh McDaniels and I guess this is how I'm going to lead this thing in says quote I never played for a guy in my life who guys wanted to play for less. <laughs> Jesus. He was just a guy you didn't care about. Oh, God. So, that was... He was the Broncos punter. Now, there's two... There's a couple of things that... Uh, and there's a couple of buzz things that's going around about Josh McDaniels that I kind of want to talk about. So, uh, number one is the his poor performance with the Broncos. And I'll discuss that. The second thing is, is his poor performance again as offensive coordinator for the Rams. And I'm going to talk about that. And then there's the stuff, um, and then there's the Coles job. He turned down the Coles job, and I'm going to talk about that. And the other thing that that really kind of, I don't know, pissed me off, and I kind of wanted to get out of talk about it was like, oh, he's after turning down the Bengals job, which means it's Packers or nothing. <laughs> I kind of thinking, all right. So I will probably focus on that thing first, uh, coupled with the, the him turning down the Coles job, because I think that they're uh, linked and related. Now, I haven't really listened to anybody's commentary, and so none of this is going to be plagiarized. 
from anybody else or anybody else's podcast and all that because I know Josh McDaniels he is the number one candidate which is all I, w- I want to talk about him but I don't want to give people fatigue about the whole thing either so I don't know if I'm going to be mirroring what everybody else thinks but I certainly haven't delved into anybody else's gear to try formulate an opinion as to what I think just from my own research so take it at face value as to as to what I'm what I'm saying and how I feel about it right so this whole turning down the Bengals job that's closely linked in my opinion to him turning down the Colts last minute so let's let me just explain um what happened with the Colts job um so it was last year they kind of interviewed him and he'd been discussing it at the same time as you know they were gearing up to to go to the Super Bowl and all the rest he turned it down at the last minute um and it annoyed an awful lot of people now he'd agreed to do it but hadn't signed anything so that that's important also here he hadn't signed contracts and all the rest and then had to rescind any of that type of stuff um he just him and um ballard of the Colts had discussed it over the phone and ballard himself was kind of rest assured that this guy was it was all above board he was gonna fly down uh, to indianapolis and he was gonna sign his contracts and get it all done but nothing was actually signed so Obviously, from reading into the situation, what is understood now is is that Josh McDaniels was kind of having second thoughts anyway. And maybe the case was is that he wanted to be a head coach. He thought it was the right situation, kind of got it some cold feet. And he was easily convinced, let's say, by Robert and Jonathan Kraft um, in the Patriots, as, as well as Bill Belichick to stay on now bill belichick was meant to be the main reason why they are why he sort of convinced them to stay on because what he said he'd do is is get him more involved in running of the organization and how to build up a roster and to get into the financial side of things um and mcdaniels thought that that was exactly what he wanted to do now i'm not going to jump ahead but with the denver broncos he'd been given an awful lot of that power which was the problem so i understand why and i'll explain it when i'm talking about kind of the bronco segment of things that's why that interested um josh mcdaniels but what i believe is happening there is is that he's trying to gear himself up to be a head coach so he knows he needs to be exposed to this type of stuff um just in case he gets another head coaching job because he made a balls of the broncos job there's no doubt about it from from reading into what happened and from what some of the beat writers and insiders were saying because there's an awful lot of material out there of assessing whether he was ready because he was going to take over the coast job and people questioning is he actually as good as people think he is because an awful lot of bill belichick staff who are consistently poached or talked about we see matt patricia with the lions um bill o'brien with the texans who was at penn state um and it hasn't really worked out now it's early days for the likes of matt patricia and all the rest um but it doesn't look good the guy seen to be uh, allegedly has been coming late to meetings and all the rest and it really doesn't look good for them and there's a reason why josh mcdaniels i think is a different beast and why he failed with the broncos again which i'll go into i spend enough of time talking about going into the broncos when i should be focused on the colts let me go back so nothing was signed but the colts were so excited about getting him and ballard was so sure that what he had was a good agreement verbally is that he went out and they just announced that he was going to be the next head coach um, which ended up kind of backfiring on them because he was convinced to stay with the Patriots because nothing was signed for. I will proffer that this is entirely normal. Okay, like speaking from experience uh, in past jobs for me, I've went and almost accepted a job and then been convinced back to an old one or whatever. That's the course of business and anybody else out there might have a similar experience. So it's very hard to speculate you know that the guy's a bad guy because he pulled out of it he's with the patriots they're a winning organization they have a winning culture they get stuff done 
the way Belichick is able to organize the roster and bring people in on one-year contracts is intriguing and how he picks them is fascinating and for Josh McDaniels and he got a whopper contract by the way I mean the guys got paid 20 million over five years so he's the highest paid offensive coordinator in the league so he's the highest paid offensive coordinator he's got an awful lot of respect from Belichick if you read the quotes that Belichick talks about him he speaks very highly of him they get along very well and he's working with Tom Brady um so why wouldn't he stay there now the the ticking time bomb and why I think Josh McDaniels could be a good prospect in this regard and I'll go into some of the really negative stuff now soon why I think it's good is is that he's come out in the past and said that he doesn't want to take over from Bill Belichick categorically and you can understand that right he's not going to want to take over from Belichick and then he's going to have to live up to those expectations then that people are going to be like, oh, well, look, he can't do what Belichick did. He's definitely not a Belichick. And that was that was McDaniel's problem when he went to the Broncos. He, he apparently even showed up at some Broncos practices in the cut-off arms hoodie. <laughs> the same as Bill Belichick. I mean, talk about, um, you know, Belichick plagiarism. Word of the podcast. Um, So... He tries to he tries to emulate Bill Belichick, but it's I mean to exactly step in and do what someone else do. It's very hard to live in someone's shadow. No one is going to emulate Bill Belichick, I don't think. And it's an awful lot easier for someone to step into a different organization. Now, if there's rumblings in the background that Tom Brady could be going, that Bill Belichick could be going elsewhere, and um, well, then this is an intriguing prospect that he's not going to stay in New England and he has to move on eventually. Now, he might not want to move on yet. But he might see that this is his best opportunity to take over a team in the Packers that could potentially allow him to build a pretty good team pretty quickly, see success quickly and not get canned. When he went to the Broncos, he was sacked after four games of his second season. So this will be a chance for him to do it. Now, if the speculation and the negativity that people have out there about Mike McCarthy and that he sort of skirted on by because Aaron Rodgers was so good... I mean, if that's the case, well, then you would think that McDaniels would see it similarly, that he has Aaron Rodgers. He can step into an organization that was making the playoffs consecutively every year, but is kind of on a downward slope. And it's not going to take a whole lot. I've seen a, a tweet from Zach Cruz, actually, that said, look at the Colts as an example, that, you know, that they're, they're terrible and then their quarterback comes in fully healthy you know they hit a few home runs when it comes to the draft and all of a sudden they're back in the playoffs and looking pretty unstoppable and they looked very convincing um, against the Texans last night so maybe McDaniels has that in his head that he's not quite ready he doesn't really want to move he's a little bit cold feedy about it but this is a guilt-edged opportunity to go to the Packers now I've seen people say that the Packers is a terrible job and that what they'd want is they'd want to go to somewhere like the Browns and all the rest I think the jury is still out on the Browns personally I think uh, Baker Mayfield is a bit of a fool, if I'm honest. And I mean that he's a clever guy and all that, but I mean it in Irish terms. I just think that he's he's got this cocky bravado and all that type of stuff. He's kind of the Diego Costa for me. Um, He's a football player, if people don't know, and he's just a bit of an ass. And so I see Baker Mayfield, and people love this staring down, you know, Hugh Jackson and all this type of stuff. And I, I just think it's a dick move, to be honest. So I don't really like what he's doing. I know he's got that swagger and all this type of stuff. Like, give me a break. People are going to find him out and give him a tougher time, I think, Baker Mayfield. So it's not as if he's going to continue this level of play. He's going to have his tough days. And yes, it's exciting and it's a young roster and all the rest. Um, But let's hold our horses on the Browns just yet. Now, in uh, a small bit of intrigue as well, 
uh, McDaniels has been linked to this Browns job. Now, whether this is a sneaky, leaky agent or whatever, I don't know. But the quote is, McDaniels is enthusiastically interested in the Cleveland opening. So he hasn't discussed it when I, with, with Cleveland. But apparently there's sort of a bit of a back and forth behind the scenes going on. Um, and they're all putting their intentions out there. Now, I don't know if McDaniels would be interested in going to that roster as opposed to the Green Bay one behind the scenes. But then again, my guess is as good as anybody else's. But I just can't see it, I don't think. I think there's more of an unknown about the Browns job. Now, there's probably you're probably sitting there going, I, well, Steve, I think there's more of an unknown about the Packers job, to be honest, because, you know, look, what, look what's going on in Green Bay for the last while. Can anybody turn it around? You could try point the finger at you know, the organization for not moving Ted Thompson to that scouting role and putting someone fresh and new in there and sort of revamping the roster when we could instead of leaving it stagnate and all that kind of stuff. Similarly to kind of what Alex Ferguson was accused of in Man United where he kind of let it stagnate and go to the dogs and that whoever he handed it over to was going to be kind of an S show, let's call it. So this Coles thing, so what he ended up doing was, and which is like according to you know the experts on twitter and i don't know if this is actually the case because i think people are wise enough and hairy enough now um to know you know what the motivating factor was for him to stay in new england and i guess front offices know don't announce a contract and and announce the press conference to unveil a head coach unless he signed on the dotted line don't count your chickens before you hatch and so ballard was annoyed and he said to him you know, are you in or out? Just a yes or no. Don't give me any BS. They had a couple of minutes conversation. He said, ooh, well, no. And he said, right, see ya. And they moved on. Now, the Colts are doing okay. So, you know, with Frank Reich there. So, all all's good that ends well. And people are saying that Mac Daniels really soured himself. Now, I think that's kind of important here by him turning down the Bengals job. So, just put your your feet into the shoes of, of Robert Kraft here. You know, this is a guy who convinced the guy to stay you know, whipped out a, the pocketbook and gave him a ton of cash, gave him a ton of insight and power into the organization to let him see all of the ins and outs um, that Bill Belichick was doing, only for him to turn around the next year and go, oh, I kind of want to go on a load of interviews again. It's like, what is his leverage going to be? I don't think they're going to pay him anymore. Um, I, I don't know if behind the scenes he's not getting to see what he wants to see. That could be the case too. But this is what I'm talking about. We need to be very careful. It's like when people were screaming for Elliot Wolf to become GM, not knowing anything about the guy apart from his second name. So I think we need to be careful here about how we sort of say, oh, well, he turned... And this this is my point about the Bengals turned down. Oh, well, that means that it's Packers or nothing. It doesn't. It just means that he needs to be careful. He can't say to New England while they're, you know, on their bye week, oh, well, look, I need to go around the house again. I know I'm the offensive coordinator and I need to call the plays, but look, I'm a bit distracted and I've got interviews to do, which is exactly the reason why the Packers' top brass has flown to... Uh, to him to sort of you know show him the wares and I would expect that that interview probably took the form of where's your head at and if his head is like yeah yeah I want to be a head coach because it could have just been a case that he's like look I'm open to hearing what you're offering me in Green Bay and what your perspective is that could be the case too so Josh McDaniels I think in only selecting or only accepting a few interviews and I've been in interviews before as everybody else has where if it goes really well or whatever it's more them trying to convince you to come as opposed to you know, them saying, oh, well, you know, if you were a biscuit, what type of biscuit would you be? Oh, McVitie's really, you know. It's going to be a case that they're probably trying to convince him to come because they see him, obviously, as, as one of the top candidates. It's not certainly directions that we're hearing from some of the, the media lads who are closer to the organisation to say that's he's certainly in the top running uh, to be the guy. So, 
Yeah, it's to see where his head is at, and I don't, and I think that's why he's turned into Bengals' job because he doesn't want to sort of say to the organization because that's what he had with the Colts. Remember, your man was like, "Yes or no?" If it's no, and his quote was, he was really annoyed about it, and his quote was, "I needed someone that was going to be all in, and not someone who was kind of, you know, oh maybe or not." And that's why after he said no, he said, "I'm not going to try to convince you." See you. And I think that's going to be the case with New England. If he keeps sort of messing around, going on all these interviews, which they expect of him, it's only part of the course. He's probably not doing it with leverage at this point. He's probably doing it to see about his long-term prospects. So now, that's kind of out of the way, I think. So it'll be interesting to see whether he does entertain anything from the Browns or will there be any movements then or will we actually get an announcement till after the Super Bowl or after, you know, New England get dumped out or whatever till he can sort of assess his stuff. He's got young kids, so he's going to have to take that into account. And apparently that was a factor with him staying in New England as well. He wanted to make sure that his kids were set up in the school and all that and didn't want to kind of move them around a little bit. So I think if he is going to go to somewhere new, it has to be a guilt-edged opportunity to do something great and build a legacy and not be in Bill Belichick's shadow and also not to make the same mistakes that he did in Denver. So let's talk about Denver. So stuff went bad in Denver for a lot of reasons. McDaniels was shown to be a control freak and this is coming from you know, beat writers at the time and also subsequently when he was going to go to the coast they were trying to talk about, well, what could he do differently that wouldn't be such a, an absolute dumpster fire as to what happened in Denver. Um, and he was overcompensating for his age. So they gave him, this is one of the problems. And this is why I think that if he was to go to Green Bay, they could uh, mitigate this risk. And I think that they have mitigated this risk within the organization. And let me explain that. So they gave him too much power he was a first-time head coach and he could literally pick players that he wanted in the draft. He came in and he was hearing ructions about potential trades for Jay Cutler, who was the quarterback at the time. And he was entertaining and kind of sussing stuff out when Smokey Jay Cutler heard about it and got kind of annoyed. And instead of, and this is according to McDaniels himself, instead of kind of repairing that bridge with Jay Cutler, and I think we all know Jay Cutler's temperament now, and certainly, you know, there's all the, he's on a reality show and the sort of little snippets that come up every now and then. It's just him him being a moody shit. <laughs> so um, I think we all know he's kind of moodiness, like, mm, well, I don't care, and pushing his old linemen around and stuff. So I think we can, in, with hindsight, you can go, okay, well, if you got yourself into that situation with, with Jay Cutler, it's probably going to be difficult to get him to get out of his sulk. So he's, the relationship soured now. Josh McDaniels was only 33 at the time um, in 2009. So it went a bit sour. Instead of him sort of sucking up to his quarterback and all that, he kind of just gave him the finger and said, off oh, you're going on a trade you. He traded him to the Bears and he got Kyle Orton and a couple of, they sort of traded um, draft picks and it didn't work out for him and he tanked. He started the season 6-0, and but it all went downhill then for a number of reasons and most of them were to do with personnel reasons. Um, So he had control of the draft and who he could draft and all the rest. So that, too much power really. He did some good things. He got into Marius Thomas, Eric Decker, Brian Dawkins. Um, but he also signed, his first draft pick was no Sean Marino. And then he gave away a couple of draft picks to move up to sign Tim Tebow. Now, as laughable as that seems now, and as much as people are giving out about it, um, I can see his rationale too, because in college Tebow did well. And there was, a, there was an awful lot of quarterbacks that did really, really well in college that it just didn't translate to the pros. And Tim Tebow was kind of a pretty laughable one. So McDaniel's problem was, according to all of these people and beat writers and all this type of stuff, is that he went in kind of on a rampage. He thought he was too clever 
and decided to get rid of people and trade his starting quarterback and get someone that he thought in and draft these players and move up in the draft and get this guy. And when it came to the pers- you know, the PR people or the strength and conditioning people or whatever, whoever it was, he decided to just sort of punt them off to his representatives, his his agents or his staff or whatever, his advisors, and didn't really deal with them because he was like, I'm here about football, I don't want to deal with you. Um, you know, his decision, whatever he said goes, he was the you know, smartest guy in the room. And he alienated himself from the players and also the training staff and personnel. And, you know, there was a time that his team got waxed. I think it was by the Raiders, I read. And he brought in his uh, his training staff and absolutely devoured them. And, you know, he said that, and this is according to him, he never sort of thought about how those staff might have felt about getting waxed. And it was it was a bad move on him to kind of alienate himself from his players from his staff that think he was too clever to be aggressive um you know to to be a control freak over everything and all the rest so he really messed up with the broncos by not listening to anybody um and just by thinking that what he said goes and it really by the way it's put across by the beat writers and all the rest was that what he was doing was he was trying to emulate what bill belichick has straight away so he'd come in, he'd run everything and he'd be on everybody's ass and he'd be, you know, giving them this, that and the other. Now, from what we hear about Bill Belichick is that he's the guy who can put his arm around someone and kind of like what we hear about Vince Lombardi, that he knew when to push your buttons and when not to push your buttons. Whereas what we found out about Josh McDaniels with the Broncos was is because he was so young, he went in trying to go on a rampage to kind of over overcompensate for his age. Now, if he was to go to the Packers... He's been at the Patriots at a high level, calling plays, by the way, at a very high level. And he's worked with a top quarterback who has seen it all, done it all when it comes to defenses and plays and all the rest. He went away and got experience as a head coach and completely made the balls of it. He went to the Rams as an offensive coordinator after the Broncos and completely made the balls of it. Now, what I will say is, is that his quarterback was Sam Bradford, who was known as the coach killer. This is a guy who's got so many coaches sacked over his tenure and he's a multi-millionaire a, a lot of times over simply because he bounced around and he was always seen to have that potential and it was almost like, oh, well, that coach couldn't get the best out of him. I think we see um, the the wood from the, from the trees here. So that's what happened to him. And I was going down through the wide receivers that he had to work with and there were effectively nobodies and anybody that he did have got injured. His tight ends were effectively nobodies. No offense to those players, but what I mean is they weren't the top echelon players. So when you couple that with Sam Bradford, it's not going to go too well. And as well as that, the head coach got sacked and Josh McDaniels got let go because we're like, yeah, we're not keeping you either. So, I mean, you know, it seemed like the whole situation there was kind of rotten to the core. Similarly, the way Josh McDaniels has been blamed for the entire Broncos failure the head coach at the Rams of at that time um was fa- was sort of tasked with that being a failure as well but they were one of the worst they were one of, tied with the worst team in the NFL on that year and offensively they scored i think it was 193 points which was a league worst and i think it was the, the worst the league had seen in a decade so it was pretty poor but again i would argue that he didn't have a whole lot to work with there so he makes his way back to New England and that in itself poses a challenge for Josh McDaniels because he has to come in and follow Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator after McDaniels leaves and then he goes off to be the head coach of Penn State. And so McDaniels comes back in and has to... Now, 
what I was sort of thinking was, is okay, he goes back to New England and he just picks up from where he left off. But that's not the case. And we see that with um, Tom Brady and some of the comments that, that he says. Now, let me just roll back a little bit. So after all of the debacle went up, McDaniels rings his dad after the stuff with the Broncos happens. And his dad says to him, you know, keep a notebook, keep a spreadsheet of all of the stuff that you did wrong and make sure that you keep updating that spreadsheet as you go till it's fresh in your mind to prepare you to be a head coach in the future if the opportunities are still going to be available to you, which now we see that they are because he's still being clamoured at um, to be that head coaching candidate. So that's what he did. And there's all this kind of talk about him having this spreadsheet that's called lessonslearn.xls. And he has the, the lessons in there. And from an article that I have, here and apologies i can't find the guy who wrote it um you know some of these lessons are take time to digest information and make good patient decisions never rush into anything all things are important impulsive is a bad word listen to everyone and make the right decision nothing gets fixed quickly another one is about um listen to anybody who tells them stuff another one is about you know be considerate of assistant coaches time you know that basically that they do a, a pretty tough job as well um, and also that, you know, you can practice stuff and even if you haven't got it right, don't be that perfectionist and sort of dog the players over it. Get it as good as you can, um, you know, praise the players and have that relationship. All of that stuff seems to mostly be around personal relationships as well. You know, don't burn your bridges with people, which is what he seemed to have done with the Broncos. And again, he made that sort of incorrect decision when it came to the Colts to back out of it last minute it didn't look good now I will say nothing was signed and the Colts did jump ahead but it was a bad look from Josh McDaniels to pull out after he'd effectively agreed and his agent was asked at the time uh you know on Radio Row and all the rest like McDaniels is, is he definitely gone he said yeah he's definitely gone he's gonna be the next head coach of the Colts there's no no question about it anyway so the main thing that I want to kind of pick on here is is that there's this talk of you know, will Josh McDaniels hand it to Aaron Rodgers? Now, Mercedes Lewis came out this week. Well, certainly the clip was released this week and he sits down um, on this show and he's talking about that a play call was called into Aaron Rodgers and Rodgers turned around and went, nah, I'm not running that. So he kind of, I don't know if you want to call it disrespect, um, Mike McCarthy or whatever, but it wasn't a case that he the play was called. He looked at the defensive coverage and went, oh, no, I'm going to have to audible edit that and change it, kill, kill, change it to something else. It was that he heard it and thought, that's a crap one, and changed it to something else. Very irresponsible of Mercedes Lewis. I haven't looked into if he intends to come back to the Packers, what his other quotes are, or whatever. Now, straight after it, and I don't know if he meant this as kind of like, oh, in my defense of saying it, Aaron Rodgers just threw this 40-yard bomb and it was an amazing play and all the rest, but... To me, that doesn't show that Aaron, from what he was saying, read the defense and changed it so that he could make that happen. He just literally called his own play and he was telling the offensive line where to go and the receivers where to go and all the rest. Now, you're going to go, yes, Steve, that's calling plays. But it wasn't like he called out sort of a long string of West Coast offense. It was kind of like, lads, you block this way, receivers, you do this, man, let's go. Um, so that was kind of revealing. So the, the question is for the next head coach, they need someone to come in and really sort of hand it to Aaron Rodgers and like what um Winston Moss said in a really poor way was that they need to come in and like hold him accountable but like that that's a given I mean any coach that's in there at present would hold Aaron Rodgers accountable Aaron Rodgers himself wants to be held accountable and he's came out and said that that he you know that's what he wants in a coach he wants to be reprimanded if he's not doing well and we saw that with Mike Holmgren in his documentary when he talks about the superstars that he had um you know coming into him at Montana um, and Young coming into him and saying, 
you know, here, I want you to hold me accountable and really be tough on me. That's what I expect. And I've no doubt that Aaron Rodgers wants to get better and he wants to sort of dog the naysayers because an awful lot of Aaron Rodgers' modus operandi is, is that he had that chip on his shoulder and he wanted to prove people wrong. But once he has this big whopper contract now, he can't really crib and moan. It's like Jay-Z and Eminem talking about being poor. You know, like, I'm from the streets. And you're like, well, you're not really. And you haven't been from the streets since the 80s. All right. <laughs> you know, there's people who have born and died uh, since you've been on the streets. You're a multimillionaire and have been for a long time now. So what's your motivation and how can people relate to you? Because that's not who you are anymore. And similarly, you'd sort of look at Aaron Rodgers. And maybe this might come at a good time for him. And I think he wants to be challenged. Um, because we see what he can do and what he did in the at the end of the season with you know taking it and, and putting that game on his back and running in for touchdowns and all the rest so the hunger is obviously still there and he does care about his stats and he does care about his legacy and he cares an awful lot more about his legacy now about how he is off the field as well so he's trying to be a more well-rounded person and he's a mature guy so the question is and, and what people are sort of assuming is that McDaniels is going to be able to come in and say well I've worked with you know Tom Brady so you can listen to me too and respect what I'm saying and I think that that's true. But not because he's dealt with Tom Brady and that innately gives him the air of, well, Aaron Rodgers needs to listen to him as well. Now, the biggest load of Cod's wallop that I've ever heard is um, Colin Cowherd comes out and says that Aaron Rodgers is not going to want to play uh, with Josh McDaniels because if he does something wrong, then McDaniels is going to say, well, Tom could do it. That's a complete load of balls. I mean, there's no way that that is true, like that you wouldn't accept a, a, a winning coach Oh, Bill Belichick comes to Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers is going to turn around and say to him, oh no, I, I don't want you here because I don't want you comparing me to Tom Brady. Give me a break. You know what I mean? Like, what, what are you going to do? We, be in a relationship and not go away with anybody ever again just in case you're compared to their ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend. I mean, come on. I think we're an awful lot more mature than that. It's just that simple sensationalism that comes out of that guy's face. So I think what the, the story there will be is and what sort of stood out for me was is Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. And he had a system and he was getting on really well with Tom Brady. They'd evolved and formed his chemistry. And then McDaniels, McDaniels, <laughs> Jesus, McDaniels had to come back and fit in. And Tom Brady turned around and said to McDaniels that he wasn't around when Bill O'Brien had come in. That he liked, and what he said to, and this is a direct quote from Brady. I got used to Billy's style. Josh wasn't a part of the process. And it took to get where he they were when he came back. To spend a few years apart, it's not like you come back together and it's instantaneous. That they had to work towards communication and trusting each other and believe that what the other was saying was right and that they would mesh. And that usually he ended up deferring to him and they deferred to each other kind of and ended up trusting each other. And that is exactly what we want to hear with Josh McDaniels. Is you want to hear that he comes in, he doesn't sort of say to Brady, shut your face, I'm back again, do what I say, let's go. Which is what we heard with him with the Broncos, him kind of trying to get in and do what he can. He comes in, he works on his relationship with Tom Brady, they get back onto the same page. We've seen them shout at each other, which is fantastic. Which I always think is like totes off. But they're, they're shouting at each other, they're fired up and they're passionate, the same way that we saw Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers do it. So if McDaniels can come in, and another really revealing thing that happens, uh, that, that was said was that McDaniels and Tom Brady had a ridiculous amount of discussions. They went back and forward, picked out their plays, built their playbook, built their trust, built their game plan. And the one that I like that Brady says was is that he thinks Giselle gets jealous of him uh, because all he does is spend an awful lot of time talking to Josh McDaniels. Um, and that it's something that they care deeply about. So I love the fact that they've harvested this relationship, that they've got on very well, and that they talk all the time, and they're just completely immersed 
in the game. Tom Brady says he trusts him. He says he respects him. And he says, and I quote, I love him like a brother. He's not just my coach. He'll be a friend for the rest of his life. Now, Tom Brady is that kind of guy. He's a super nice guy. Um, he's very passionate. He loves his family. He loves his teammates. You know, he brings his wide receivers and all, all the rest up into, you know, these sort of log cabins and, you know, works on that chemistry. And he always works on his mechanics. And he's a perfectionist. And we all know that about his body. So an awful lot about their relationship has an awful lot to do with Tom Brady too. Which means that if he comes to town, Aaron Rodgers would have to make that effort to be personable and to not be kind of like, I run this town and this is what I do. Now, do I think Aaron Rodgers is going to do it? No, I don't think so. I think Aaron Rodgers wants to go to Super Bowls and win Super Bowls. Now, pretty revealing. If anyone remembers that podcast he was on with Pete Holmes, he does talk about being up on a podium after winning the Super Bowl and thinking, what more to life is there? So he's a cerebral guy who has other interests. And I think if McDaniels can tap into Aaron Rodgers as a person as well as as a player and they can get that chemistry going if he does come in, um, well, then that means that they will have that partnership to go back and forward. And Aaron Rodgers, if it is true, won't be gone. not running that play. And I wonder, will McDaniels have the, the will, the power to suck at Aaron Rodgers and say, listen to me. When I'm, when I'm talking to you, when I call plays, run the play. Tell how it's designed. And will they go back and forward and show that fire and that passion? Because that's what we need as well. Now, when it comes to an, another area where Josh McDaniels fell down was, because I don't think we really question um, the play calling in New England and the success that they've had. They have had a subpar roster for a lot of the time. And don't at me on that, right? They've had some players that they've had to bring in and they've had some really substandard stuff. They've had suspensions and injuries. And look what he did. And he talks an awful lot in the media, especially back in the day, about Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. And he won games when Tom Brady was suspended with Jimmy Garoppolo, who we seen was a superstar, and Jacoby Brissett. However, Jimmy Garoppolo did not have a good time of it before he got injured with the San Francisco 49ers. So let's not fool ourselves into thinking that Garoppolo oh yeah sure he's deadly so of course he would and Jacoby Brissett as well didn't have a very easy time when he went to the Colts so he could still eke out wins when it mattered something that the Mike McCarthy and the Packers were unable to do with Brett Hundley who sat beside Aaron Rodgers uh, for two or three years so uh, let's not get it confused here as to thinking that that was an easy task because it's you know it's a system uh, Tom Brady's a system quarterback I don't think we can fall into that trap although there is merits in it, but let's just park that there because that's a totally different podcast conversation. So this is a guy who enjoys working with the offense, is offensively minded. If he surrounds himself with good defensive minds, now people say that that's Mike Pettin. I think what he did with the defense this year was fantastic. We were one of the top 10 defenses in the NFL, certainly up until the last couple of weeks. And I think we can build on that if we stop getting injured all the time. You know, Mo Wilkerson goes out, Kenny Clark goes out, Mike Daniel goes out. Um, Kyler Fackrell is, is turned into a goddamn superstar um, Jair Alexander is going to be another year mature Kevin King can he stay healthy who knows so I mean you know we've got an awful lot of promise there we build on that through the draft get some pass rushers we could be pretty devastating if you look at the effect that Khalil Mack has had you know between himself and Akeem Hicks for Chicago they, they don't even rush that many people and that's why they've got the you know most interceptions in the league is because they get that pressure up front and that pays dividends in the back end and that's what we could see here um, with the Packers if we just get some good pass rushes up front now don't think that we're going to get that caliber but we have a better opportunity now because we're higher in the draft so back to Josh McDaniels 
is that the problem with him was is he went in all gung-ho. He was trying to, um, you know, make up for the fact that he was young and sort of, you know, hand it to everybody. He's not going to do that again from his little spreadsheet. Um, he was not respecting players. He was not respecting the personnel and looking after the small change and the small stuff. He's going to change that now because he said that that was a massive mistake. So he's going to lean on other people for experience. He's not that young anymore. He's, you know, a bit grey around the years. So he's not going to come in and try to overcompensate for the age. And then we see coaches um, like Sean McVeigh. And I say like Sean McVeigh. What I mean is we see Sean McVeigh because there are no other coaches like him. He's young and he gets it done and he's a, he's a player personnel person. So Josh McDaniels is going to have to be the same if he decides that he wants to move on. Now, all of this could be a moot point in the fact that he doesn't come. He just doesn't doesn't leave New England but I think it's important to put this down into audio and onto writing as to the the pros and cons if he is the biggest target that we're going to go for because in later podcasts if we haven't selected a coach by then I'm going to go into some of these other coaches and sort of describe about these guys but definitely wanted to go into detail about Josh McDaniels um, here in this one the problem with McDaniels was he had too much power he's not going to have that in Green Bay because Mark Murphy has split up the organization so that the head coach and the general manager report to him and that the head coach doesn't report into the GM and Brian Gutekunst has his hands all over the draft picks. Now, of course, Josh McDaniels would have say on what players are drafted and all the rest, but certainly is going to have to contend with um, Brian Gutekunst having the final say, which is what he even says himself, that I have veto and I say no. If you can come to me with your choices, and I can, I can tell you no because I have the final say. And Mark Murphy was quite okay which stripping away some of the responsibility and giving Russ Ball an awful lot of responsibility um, because he wanted to ease Brian Gutekunst into it as a first-time GM. And that's exactly the type of thing that McDaniels would want, I believe. He's going to think that he wants the power and to see it all as he's doing, as they say he was going to do in, in New England this year. But as well as that, they'll save him from himself by saying, no, Josh, we're not going to give you that responsibility Here's the job that you have to do. And then as you go on and mature into the job, and if it all works out for everybody, then we're going to start handing you more responsibility and all the rest. And I think that would be right up Josh McDaniel's alley and certainly stop him from having the issues that he had with the Broncos because he's not going to have to take on the burden as he did with the Broncos. So is he a good pick? Well, all of the stuff that he did wrong in Denver potentially um, could be mitigated by the systems that are already in place in Green Bay, and it would be a good opportunity for him to come into a team that was that was winning games convincingly a couple of years ago to bring back that passion, that youth, and that energy that people talk about. Um, and it's success is not that far away for him, but he can still take all the credit for it when he comes back in to say that I am doing stuff that Mike McCarthy, one of the winningest coaches in NFL history, could not do here. I did it. But an awful lot of that will have to fall on the shoulders of, of Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst as well as to how they draft. So they will live and die by the draft if that's what they if that's what this team still is, is a draft and develop team. So you tell me at Steady NFL at UK Packers if you think after hearing this podcast, if you believe that Josh McDaniels is still a good pick, or do you think that his control freak, you know, desire to emulate Bill Belichick in the past kind of makes him a bigger risk than people think he is because an awful lot about coaching management is getting results through people that's the definition can this guy do it or is he just a fantastic offensive coordinator who's in a system that he knows is ingrained with and loves and has helped build 
and that's why he works. You tell me. So I'm going to park it there. The podcast is going to be out once a week um, and I might sort of delve into the NFL stuff. I never even got to talk about Antonio Brown, but I'm unconscious now. I'm about 50 minutes into the podcast or so. So do you know what? I'm going to leave that till the next podcast because it's still going to be a topic. The dude is also out of the playoffs. So I've been at NFL. Make sure you give me a follow. Um, hit me up on some messages. I'm always uh, loving to go back and forth on a bit of debate. Hit us up at UK Packers. Go to Facebook. Go to UK Packers on Facebook. Um, and we also have a closed group get in there and have some conversations it's always fantastic to be in there and hear people going back and forth on some of their thoughts and certainly I'm going to start bringing more of that stuff then to the podcast and discussing it there I'm going to be bringing back clown of the week I'm going to be bringing back fan of the week and some other cool little um, segments as well there's going to be players on there's going to be media personnel on so it's definitely worth tuning in throughout the off season as we see stuff develop and the organisation evolve into what it's going to become um, so yeah and make sure you hit us up on Instagram and don't uh, forget I want to see you in London for the Super Bowl party it'd be great to meet some of you guys put some um, faces to the Twitter handles and, and Facebook messages as well um, and share a point together uh, a bottle of beer and watch the, the Super Bowl it's always a great occasion and play a bit of flag no experience necessary so until next week guys it's good to be back I'll talk to you then